Thank you for firing up the Sunrise Church podcast. My name is Steve Garcia, and I am the lead pastor at Sunrise. We are a community of Jesus followers from all walks of life, all colors of skin, and all ages. And I hope this message you hear today inspires you to deepen your connection with Christ. Let's dive in. Well, good morning, church. My name is Steve Garcia. I'm the lead pastor here at Sunrise, and we're so thrilled to bring part two of this message series that the reason why we call it Asking for a Friend is because we're, we're talking about some of the most tense and controversial issues that we have in our culture, and sometimes we want to we ask a question, but we don't want it to be about us, so we said, yeah, I'm asking for a friend. And so our hope today is to be able to uh, press into the issue of abortion with clarity and compassion and to to humbly and graciously give it our best. And so by way of reminder, if you would like to submit a question, uh, please text the word question to 909-281-7797, and we will do our very best to get to them, if not today, in, in future weeks. So I want to begin our time this morning with some powerful words of Scripture found in the Old Testament. They're written by the great King David. They're found in Psalm 139, and this is what he says. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. David started off this psalm by declaring the awesomeness of God's power, specifically when it came to the creation of life. It it caused him to take a deep breath and say, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. What does that even mean? I think what it means is to be in awe of the miracle of life. This is what caused David's spirit to erupt in worship. Uh, thinking about the, the miracle of life. And in Psalm 139, in, in just these few verses, I could see some, some really foundational truths about life. And here's the first one, and that is this. Life begins at conception. Isn't it incredible that when that one little sperm uh, penetrates the egg and it fertilizes it, in that moment, DNA is created, the, the, the eye color, the, the, the gender, uh, all, all kinds of genetic codes in that moment, it, it helps us to understand a little bit more the weight of when David said this in Psalm 139, when he said, for you created my inmost being, the smallest parts we can't even see. You knit me together in my mother's womb, my, my DNA. Personhood begins in this moment of conception, and science agrees This is what WebMD had to say about conception. It said, at the moment of fertilization, at the moment of fertilization, the baby's genetic makeup is complete, including whether it's a boy or a girl. Life begins at conception. Here's the second foundational truth. Life connects to our creator. The God you see in the Bible is not a God who winds up the toy and then takes a step back and lets it go on its own, but he is deeply and intimately connected to us in the creating and maintaining of life. Just in Psalm 139, listen to how many times David pointed back to the 
personal connection of God. He says, you created my inmost being. He says, you knit me together in my mother's womb. Your works are wonderful. Not, my frame was not hidden from you. And then he also said, your eyes saw my unformed body. The God of the Bible is not an absentee father, but he is deeply and personally connected to us in the very creation of life. And here's one more foundational truth about human life, and that is this. It begins at conception, connects to our creator, and the third one is that life flows from God's character. We saw it in Psalm 139, but throughout the Old and New Testament, listen to all of the ways that that God is described both in who he is and what he has done. In Genesis chapter 2, he's the breath of life. In Acts chapter 3, he's the author of life. In John 10, the giver of life. John 11, he's the resurrection and the life. And as we just read in Psalm 139, he's the creator of life. Here's what's so important to understand about God. Life is not just what God gives, it's who he is. It flows from his character. Death, on the other hand, does not come from God. That flows from man's character, specifically man's sin, which is why murder is wrong, because it is contrary to God's character. And when man sinned, it took exactly one generation for murder to enter the picture. Adam and Eve's oldest son, Cain, murdered his younger brother, prompting God to say these words in Genesis chapter 3. God said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. This is how much God cares about life. What Cain did was an offense to God because it was contrary to God's character, which is one of the reasons why God included in the Ten Commandments, you shall not murder. Now, the dictionary definition of murder is this. According to the dictionary, murder is the premeditated killing of one human being by another. Now, what's, what's interesting is, you know, today our topic is abortion, and here is the dictionary definition of abortion. Not my words. This is the dictionary definition. Abortion is the deliberate termination of a human pregnancy. Now, there's a lot of similarities between these two definitions. Premeditated, deliberate, killing, termination, human, human. Is it such a stretch to suggest that abortion is murder? In every situation, is abortion always wrong? And what about women who've already had an abortion? What hope is there for them? These questions and more are what we want to discuss. So joining me on stage today, I'd like to introduce to you Kathleen Jones. She is the director of Life Choice Pregnancy Center in San Bernardino. And also Pastor Anthony Riley is joining us as well. He sits on the board of Life Choice Pregnancy Center. And so we're gonna talk about these issues today. Kathleen, welcome. Thank you. So uh, as we begin, can you just tell us briefly, what is Life Choice Pregnancy Center and how does it help people? Uh, Life Choice Pregnancy Center is a 100% uh, donor funded, um, 501c3 like the church. Uh, but what's special about us is we are also a licensed medical facility. 
um, despite what other people say about us. We are legitimate. Um, so we provide pregnancy testing, ultrasounds, but we also provide material resources for our moms and dads that come in. So we, we want to, what I like to say, because I'm pretty simple, rescue, redeem, and restore. We wanna rescue our moms from making a bad choice, or we wanna rescue them from a bad situation. We wanna redeem them to and through the love of Christ because we are a faith-based ministry. And they wanna restore them to a God-honoring, Christ-centered life. And you learned recently, yeah. You learned recently that abortion was almost a part of your, your own mother's story. So tell us about that. Right. So. Um, uh, my, my parents got married because my mom got pregnant, um, so not a good reason to get married, so their marriage uh, was failing. Uh, my mom decided financially she could afford to leave my dad with one child, uh, which was not me, my older brother. Then she found out she was pregnant with me, so what do you do? You get rid of the one you can't afford, right? Um, so in her mind, it was logical to get an abortion. So she called her best friend, stated her case. Well, my mom comes from six generations of all female families. And she had only ever picked out a female name. So when my brother was born, he went five days without a name because she didn't know what to name him. So when she talked to her best friend, the last thing her friend said to her was, you may be the only person on the face of this earth in 20 years will wonder if that's your Kathleen. And that was the statement that saved my life. Mm. But I didn't know that until I was nearly 50 years old because I didn't have a relationship with my mom. My parents only stayed married for about three and a half, four years after I was born, and then they divorced, and I didn't have a relationship with my mom. I was raised by my dad, a uh, single dad in the 70s, which was not normal, but my mom had some mental health issues, so it was best for my brother and I not to have a relationship with her. Uh, in your many interactions with women, what are some of the ways you hear uh, abortion justified? Um, a lot of times it's, I can't afford it, it's not the right time, it's not part of my plan. Um, Unfortunately, really, it's, it's just, it's inconvenient. Um, so what we're able to do during our, um, during the time that we're able to talk to, to the girls is, I always like to say they come in with a handful of excuses and what we're able to do, sorry, I talk with my hands, this is super difficult. Um, what we're able to do is, is take those excuses one by one and replace them with a tool. Um, I can't afford it. Part of our center, we have an entire boutique. We provide maternity clothes, baby clothes from newborn to 2T. We keep their children in diapers until they're no longer in diapers. Wipes, car seats, strollers, cribs, breastfeeding supplies, the little baby snuggy wraps, stuff that stuff comes in there that I don't even know what it is because I haven't had children in a very long time. So we're able to remove that excuse. It's not the right time. Well, there's never a right time to have children, but 
we're able to say, here's, here's how you can stay in school. Here's resources for you to stay in school. Um, I'm gonna get kicked out if I don't terminate maternity homes, um, schools that they can go to while they're still pregnant. If, it's, if we don't have it in our center for them, then we have a community referral for them. Yeah, and what I love about that is you're caring for the mother, yeah. not just the child, which is one of the criticisms. You know, all you care about is baby, but not the mother. That sounds like it's been answered there. So what I wanna do is I wanna um, just uh, briefly touch on some of the big uh, kind of questions around this. Pastor, please chime in. Uh, as you as you like as well. Let's let's start with this one. Um, you know, how would you respond to the 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 primary argument for abortion, which is it's my right. Uh, you might hear this phrase, "My body, my choice." Um, one of my personal favorites, and um, I, I always go back to civics class 101, eighth grade my rights stop where another person's rights start. And that applies to the unborn child in my womb. And it's, to me, it's super easy. So the born person I am now is no different than the unborn person I was that would justify me killing the unborn person I was then. Yes, I would add to that. When you say my body, my choice, the question becomes, are you coming from a worldview or are you coming from a Christian view? Because once you say yes to Jesus, your body is no longer your body because you were bought with a price and that's Jesus Christ. So you can no longer look at your body as your own because someone paid the price for you on the cross. So how you treat your body, what you do with your body, Christ loves. So he doesn't love it when you do things outside of the will of God. So you can't use ideology and Christianity. You can't do both. So if you say I'm for Jesus, then you have to make those hard um, decisions but sometimes uh, it's hard and I get it, but no one said this walk will be easy either. Hmm. You know, the question I might add also is, ask yourself, where do rights come from? Do they come from the government? Do they come from the majority opinion? Do they come from your feelings? If your answer to any of those questions is yes, you just justified chattel slavery. Because at one point it was legal, at one point, it was the majority preference, and it made a whole lot of people happy, specifically the landowners who got a lot of money off of free labor. The reason why slavery was wrong is because rights come from God, and people were denied basic human rights given by God. I find it interesting that when someone who has received the right to life also believes they have the right to take life. And Friends, the, the, the reality is, is that life is the most important right because if you don't have life, you don't have any rights. And that's why I believe it needs to be protected. Uh, you you want to add to that? And if I could add, abortion is an equality issue mm. because all humans are equal. We all have the same value in the eyes of God. 
Amen. Well, another um, massive argument is what about rape and incest? I'm sure you hear that quite a bit. Uh, is abortion wrong in these circumstances as well? Again, going back to the premise that it's always wrong to end a human life. Abortion always ends a human life, so abortion is always wrong. But people go to that argument because it's, it's such a small amount. It's 1% or less, but they want to argue for that small amount instead of ignoring the mass amount that's not rape or incest. Um, there's a, an amazing doctor that was a professor at University of North Carolina that's gone home to be with the Lord. And uh, he said, if the woman cannot murder the rapist who is guilty, why can she kill the child who is innocent? Mm. So you have three people involved in a, a rape or incest situation. You have the woman who has already been traumatized and victimized. You have the child who is the outcome of this, this rape or incest. And then you have the perpetrator. Sometimes in rape or incest, if he's not been prosecuted, that child is, is evidence. Mm. If you abort, then you're getting rid of, rid of the evidence. So if she, if she follows through with an abortion, then you're re-wounding, re-traumatizing the already wounded. Mm. And then the other innocent victim, in, other than the woman, is getting the death penalty. And then the perpetrator, if not prosecuted, walks away scot-free. Pastor Anthony, what would you say? Yes, I'm going to tread this very lightly because I'm not um, a woman. Um, being an ex-police officer, detective, I've actually investigated many rapes, many molestations, um, and being in a room with these victims, you can feel um, the intensity in the room. So trying to meet them where they are and trying to understand um, while at the same time trying to bring justice. Um, it's very heartbreaking. But it's funny how God works because I found myself counseling those victims through those type of scenarios to now I'm part of the pregnancy center. Now I have the blessing to counsel um, the women who may be in that scenario, but again, as she said, it's a very, very small number. Um, but I still go back to, um, if we put feelings aside, mm -hmm. the Bible says every life is a blessing to God. So there's other options than abortion, but then I have to ask myself, if I'm the woman, how do I see this person every day that I birth, I'm seeing the suspect that did this to me. To get over that, it's a whole lot of God, a whole lot of love um, that only he can give. Mm. 
You know, just this past week, I was reading from a, uh, an organization called Feminists for Life. Here's what the president, Saren Foster, had to say. She said, could you look at someone conceived in violence and tell her she never should have been born? What if it turned out to be your best friend or a relative? Would that change the way you felt about her? Would you think less of her mother? Can you imagine if we ranked the value of people based on the circumstances of their conception? She went on to say, after a lecture at a Midwestern university, a student pulled me aside. She told me that she was raped by her third cousin as a mere 13-year-old and had become pregnant. Her parents had helped her have the privacy she wanted during her pregnancy, and then she placed her son with two loving parents. I asked her, why did she make the decision to have the child when she was just a girl who had lived through what was arguably the worst of circumstances? She said she would never pass on the violence that was perpetrated against her to her own unborn child. Now that is the strength of a woman. Pretty powerful. Well, let's continue in uh, seeing what kinds of questions have, have, have come through. Um, this is an interesting one. Is it wrong to take the morning after pill? Kathleen. Okay, so uh, the morning after pill is um, a contraceptive. So um, taking the morning after pill, you don't know if you're pregnant. You don't know if that egg has been fertilized. If it has been fertilized, that emergency contraceptive will prohibit implantation. So conception has already occurred. So that morning after pill is what we call an abortifacient. It causes an abortion. But you don't know if that egg has been fertilized. So if the egg has been fertilized and you take the morning after pill, it causes an abortion. If the egg is not fertilized, you're just ingesting a mass amount of hormones. So is it wrong? I would add, that's what they call the plan B. Mm -hmm. um, you should go with plan A. <laughs> and plan A is, you're not supposed to have sex, according to scripture, unless you're married. Um, we wouldn't be talking about abortion if Listen up, man. If you know how to control yourself, you can blame the woman all you want, but in order to have a baby, it takes two, but the man must produce the sperm. Now, there's two ways this thing can happen. You can look at her, take advantage of her, lust for her instead of loving her, and wait, and if you wanna put a ring on it, then you wait or you can sell your sperm to a sperm bank. At the end of the day, plan A is God's design. You must wait for your Eve. You must marry the woman. Then you go to step B. I think we just wanna to go to step B because instead of loving her, you're lusting for her. So, amen. <laughs> you know, let's take, let's take this one layer further. Let's take a Christian couple who is married, 
who is taking contraceptives to uh, prevent pregnancy, are there any contraceptives that would be considered an abortifacient? Most contraceptives are abortifacients. So there are tr two true contraceptives. There are contraceptives that will um, inhibit the release of eggs. Mm -hmm. So if there's no egg released, then there's no egg to fertilize. So no fertilized egg, no fertilization. So there's no conception. And then there are um, other contraceptives that thicken the mucus lining in the cervix to, pre to prevent the sperm from uh, getting in there to fertilize the egg. But nobody knows if they're 100%. Mm. The best way for uh, married Christian couples is called the rhythm method. So where a woman learns the cycle of her body, checks her temperature, because really there's only about um, four to five days a month when a woman ovulates, when she is fertile. Mm. You know, th this could feel so extreme, even just talking about it, it's a bit uncomfortable, but I think although it's <clears throat> an emotionally complex topic, it's actually not biblically complex. I mean, just take it back, does life begin at conception or not? And once that egg is fertilized, anything we do to terminate that, that life that is in that fertilized egg is abortion. Uh, and, and so that's, that's uh, something I think that we we've probably need to get our heads out of the sand about a little bit. And, and even, even myself, I, I didn't know any of that about um, contraceptives until I started working at the pregnancy center just a few years ago. Mm. And in my past, when my husband and I were first married, before we were ready to have children, I was taking contraceptives mm. because I was uneducated about it. Okay. Here's our next question. Will I be able to recognize my unborn child in heaven? Uh, you know, I, I, could, I, I could take that. I believe the answer is yes. Um, you know, when you look at, there's a great passage of Scripture in 2 Samuel um, where David loses his child. It's a, a passage that I've often encouraged parents who have lost their child in, in miscarriage or, or tragically, uh, where David says, we, I will see this child again. I believe that, that children... Uh, are universally covered under God's grace, and will therefore we will see them in heaven. Uh, will you recognize them? Well, think about this. When Jesus resurrected from the grave, people recognized him, not at first, but then they saw the scars in his hands. They started listening to him talk, and the lights turned on. And I think the reality is that you're gonna recognize all loved ones who, who died in Christ or that they, they, they died as children. And I believe that of all of the millions of abortions um, that have taken place, all of those children will be in heaven. There's an amazing book, um, if anybody has struggled with uh, pregnancy loss, it's called I'll Hold You in Heaven. Mm. Powerful. Let's see what, uh, what other questions have come. Uh, any advice for a Christian parent who just found out their daughter is pregnant? Well, Kathleen, uh, this is more than just a uh, question on a screen for you. Say more. Um, I, will, I will share my story. Um, my husband and I raised uh, both our children in a Christian home. And uh, two years after I started working at the pregnancy center, um, our daughter came home and told us that she was pregnant, not married. Um, the 
Um, I apologize in advance. We call him donor mm. because that's all he did. Mm. Uh, we had met him one time previously. We were not impressed. Mm. Um, he has been gone since our daughter was 12 weeks pregnant. My granddaughter is now four years old. Um, it was uh, quite a shock. And as I had shared with someone else, when my daughter told me that she was pregnant, the first thing that went through my mind was, you're just another statistic. And that's a pretty harsh thing to think of your own child. Mm. Um, and I looked at her and I said, what do you think happens when you have unprotected sex? Mm. And how many times have I come home from work and been amazed with all the girls that come into our center that are surprised that they're pregnant? And then it came into my home. Um, my daughter was not a teenager, um, but still, she was raised in a Christian home. Uh, my, my husband is an ordained pastor, uh, doesn't teach, um, but we are very involved in ministries. But here's, here's what I tell everybody. And I tell the girls that come into our center that say, oh, my parents are going to kill me. I say figuratively, every day. Literally, probably not. <laughs> but the moment that child is born, it doesn't matter how they were conceived. Mm. It's hard, but it's not my shame. It's not my guilt. And when our daughter was pregnant, my husband and I were still doing... Um, young adult Bible study in our home and uh, our daughter was getting close to six months pregnant and she said if you want now that I'm starting to show if I'm not working on Wednesday nights I'll go to my room and I said if you're okay with it will you share with the group that you're pregnant and she said I don't have a problem with that and I said okay so one Wednesday night, we're sitting around the island in our kitchen, and um, the guys are all standing on one side, and the girls are kind of on this side, and I'm getting dinner ready. And my daughter, who is a very bold young lady, she says, well, I have some news to share. And my husband's kind of standing over here by the guys, and she goes, I'm pregnant. Mm. And all the young men kind of go, my husband is, uh, I think intimidating is a good word, yeah. kind of an intimidating yeah. uh, guy, um, former bodybuilder, um, biker looking kind of guy, um, and all the guys' eyes are like that and they look at him and one was bold enough to go, dad, is he dead? Um, and he's, no. And the girls all kind of like look at me and you know, don't know what to say. And my daughter looks every one of those people in the eye and she says, my pregnancy is not a sin. Me having, having sex outside of marriage was a sin, but this child is not sin. Um, our Bible lesson for the night was over after that. Um, and my granddaughter's name is Selah. Mm. Mm. 
pause and praise. You know, as I sit here and listen to you, uh, (laughs) I got to get personal because if if my daughter came, um, (laughs) if baby was to come and say, Dad, Mom, I'm pregnant, I got to be honest, I don't know if I can keep that composure. Oh, that's my son's story. You don't want to hear dad's side. (laughs) But after going through all that roller coaster, in the feelings, asking myself what I did wrong, did I not, did I not shepherd, did I not lead by example, at the end of the day, all children are a gift from God. So we'll deal with the other things by grace and by love and by understanding. But I can't sit up here and lie and say, um, Lord Jesus, uh, that I wouldn't have something to say to her mama on the side. (laughs) But then come back. But seriously, at the end of the day, all children are a blessing from God. And that's why I'm with the sinner. Because since I've been with these women learning, understanding, trying to change my heart and how I see things, it's just a blessing. Yeah, I think this seems like the consensus is let's do what we can to help, the, help her carry the child to term and then, and then go from there. We have time for one final question, and uh, it says, what place is there in the church for Christian women who already had an abortion? Why don't you address this, Kathleen? Uh, everywhere. Same place there is for any other woman in the church. Um, Abortion is not the unforgivable sin. It's not an unforgivable sin. Um, It's, we we come to the Lord with every sin and ask for forgiveness. Um, It it doesn't, and and I don't mean to speak for you, Pastor, it it doesn't uh, disqualify you from serving. it actually qualifies you for an amazing ministry opportunity. Um, in, in our center, we offer an abortion recovery and abortion healing, and um, the woman who leads it has been leading abortion recovery for over 20 years. Um, she's had multiple abortions, and uh, we do our abortion recovery twice a year, September and February, and um, I'm sorry, August. And uh, February, she just started a class recently. And every time she starts the class, we sit down and she said, it just floors me every time that these horrible choices that I made in my youth, God has redeemed and allowed me to minister to other women and God has chosen me in the worst of my time to be used for his glory. Amen. And I would add to that, I mean, um, of course, um, you're able to serve anywhere and everywhere, but, and I say but because I want to make sure that you're holistically healed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, because with this abortion, through all the reading I've read, 
shame, anxiety, guilt, remorse, and all of those themes that sticks with someone. So I would definitely say thumbs up to that, but I still want to get with you and really get you to the freedom stage mm -hmm. and, and turn that ash into beauty. Don't let that devil talk nasty to your mind because you do have a story and we want that story to be displayed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well said. We're hearing more and more of women who have held this so deep in their souls since 13, 16, 17 and have never dealt with it and are still bound and we're, we're proclaiming the truth of Scripture that if the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. And uh, that is this God of the Bible that, that we have. And Steve, one more thing for me. Again, this is not a one-sided conversation. I've spoken to men who were ashamed that they kind of egged on the woman, mm. that they got pregnant, and now they're regretting even... I wonder, it's 20 years now. I wonder what he or she would have been. So again, this is not just for women. Mm. Men, you're in here battling and struggling whether you egg someone on. Um, I want to also encourage you to have that conversation because you too can carry all of that brokenness and you can kind of continue this cycle instead of say, okay, God, you've called me to be this man. How do I live and how do I respect the woman's body mm. in such a way? So, man, you're just not sitting here listening to women business. It's your business too. Mm. Amen. Yeah. And if I could add our, our abortion recovery, we have one for women and we have one for men. Mm. And uh, your table's out in the lobby and people can find you online as well. Uh, you know, this past week I sat down with a, a powerful woman of God named Latrice who attends our Banning campus, and she was bold enough to share her story. Check out this video. My name is Latrice. I am a wife. I am a mother. And when I was 17 years old, I had just had my daughter. I went to the doctor's office, and I didn't, I didn't know I was pregnant. Um, but they told me, okay, you're pregnant, and... Um, what do you want to do? And I immediately, without even thinking about it, said, I want to have an abortion. I don't want any more kids. Within an hour, I had an abortion. And I, I came up pregnant again. I waited till as far as you could wait. Once again, I went into the clinic, got an abortion, and this time it was two days. They implant something in, which actually kills the baby and then you have to come back in the next day, and then they take the baby out. And um, that particular time, I cried all the way home. I knew it was wrong, and my life was never really the same after that. I was withdrawn, I was angry, I was ashamed. I started drinking, I started doing drugs. I just lived that way for a while. I started going back to church, started listening to messages. I started applying the word of God into my life. So I asked God to forgive me for the abortion and all the other stuff that I was doing. And I had a sense of release. However, there was some residue 
that was still there. So even though I know God had forgiven me, um, it was something holding me back. I had to forgive myself, which was what I, I hadn't done yet. That was what was still there. God, I knew God had forgiven me, but I had not forgiven myself. And it was still so much shame, so much shame connected to it. To the 17 year old, I say, you don't have to abort your baby. You have a choice because I've been there and it is not something that is of God um, and it's not something that you want you can live with and say that you're okay you have a choice to carry your baby there is also adoption there are so many women who cannot have babies and would love to have a baby. To the woman who has had an abortion and is walking in shame, you don't have to walk in that shame anymore. You don't have to be bound by your past. You don't have to be bound by those things because we serve a forgiving God. There's nothing that he won't forgive us of. I know it may feel like it, that it's unforgivable, but God is a forgiving God and he will forgive you. One of the things that really helped me was the No Longer Bound ministry. Once you've had an abortion or a miscarriage, it helps you in just moving forward in a positive way. Uh, it helped me immensely. I found out things about myself in these sessions that I did not know were there. I was given an opportunity to go through a 13-week uh, course which dealt with forgiveness and being ashamed. And I went into those sessions and I was still closed off. And my heart was just still so hardened on the inside. And in that particular uh, lesson, I got freed. And I was no longer ashamed and I got free from the bondage that was holding me. I. I promise God that I would be an advocate and a voice for the unborn. Also for children who are here and don't have parents and they need help. Um, and there's been 40 kids that have come through my home through foster care that we fostered and that we advocated for. And I will continue to do that for the rest of my life. Amen, amen. Again, for the whole month of August, we will be dealing with these, these controversial topics. This might not be your story as far as abortion is concerned, but the Bible says that the word of God covers a multitude of sin. So as humans, we like to categorize our sin. Okay, I'm not that, I'm this, I'm not that, I'm this, but here's the deal. God hates all sin. But the amazing thing about it is he sent his son just for you and me so that we can be sinners saved by grace. And I want to talk to you in the room and online. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're going to have these bumps, these bruises, these twists, these turns, because you're trying to do life on your own. But you don't have to do it alone. That's the whole story. That's why people in here have all these amazing stories through their testimony. So if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want you to have a new story. 
I want your story to involve God and Jesus and all of those things. Or maybe you have, as we say, backslid or walked away from God. I want you to recommit your life this morning. So out of respect for those people, let's all bow our heads and close our eyes. I'm, I'm talking to you who don't know Jesus Christ by faith. And you know exactly who you are. I'm talking to you who have walked with God and then you turn your back on him. He never turns his back on us. If that's you and you want to change this morning, I just want you to repeat this prayer after me in the silence of your heart. It's simple. Just simply say, Lord, I'm broken. I need help. I'm tired of going in circles. I believe, God, that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, just for me so that I can have a new story. This morning, I invite you into my heart, Jesus. Today, I commit my life to you. I don't know what tomorrow's going to bring, but one thing I do know is my new story starts today. I thank you and I love you in your son, Jesus' name. Amen. If that was your story or that was your testimony, I want to be the first to say congratulations. Welcome to the family. I want you to take a bold step. Get your phones out. Type next at 909-281-7797. We have people on the back to talk to you on the back of that line to help you out in your next step in life. But also if you're bold outside at the next step table, we have people that want to have the same conversation. But don't leave here the way you came. And for all the rest of us, how is your walk with Jesus? Are you giving him all you have or are you being a partial Christian? He wants you to be a full Christian. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, once again, we thank you for meeting us in this room and this conversation, Father God. A very serious conversation, Father God. Someone in this room is possibly thinking about aborting a child. And I pray that the Holy Spirit moves in their mind and they would put a stop on that and have a next conversation with those that can help them. We also pray for the man, Father God. I pray that they will allow their bodies to be a testimony of how good your love's been to them. And they would take their rightful seat, Father God, and respect a woman. And if they want to do all plan B's and C's, it first starts with a relationship. So we give this time to you. We thank you and love you in Jesus' name. And all God's people say, amen. Thanks again for listening to this podcast. I want to encourage you to not just stop here. Maybe you sense God is speaking to you today and wanting you to take that next step. So here's two ways you can do just that. The first is text the word next to the number 909-281-7797. That's 909-281-7797. You'll receive a message back with some ways to help you grow. That may mean joining a small group or finding a place to serve or just talking with someone one-to-one about your faith. You can also visit the notes for this podcast and follow the links provided. And if you're within driving distance of one of our four physical locations in Banning, Ontario, Rialto, or Victorville, we'd love for you to stop by sometime and give us a chance to meet you personally. Again, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope to see you soon. God bless.